Welcome to The Bechtel Hold, a pro wrestling podcast hosted by me, Stephanie Cheers. Every week, I deep dive into the pro wrestling stories that have been keeping me up most at night, from AEW to WWE, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Impact, and beyond. So sit down, strap in, and join me as we invade the boys club, shatter the glass ceiling, and drop kick down the doors of pro wrestling. Hello, friends. My name is Stephanie Chase, and welcome to another new episode of my podcast, The Bechtel Hold. This week, we're talking about Ric Flair in AEW, Impact becoming TNA again, and some recent comments by CM Punk, plus a lot more. But how is everyone? I'm doing good. It is another day where I'm about to go on a road trip. I am off to Coventry tomorrow for the Impact show I'm up there. I'm excited. I think it's going to be a really good show. I've never been to Coventry before. Not expecting much from the city. Sorry if you live there, but it's never been a destination for me. But I always love a little road trip and I'm excited to see Impact, see like Trinity wrestle. That's going to be cool. And yeah, if you're if you see me at the Impact show, you know, say hi. Tell me how much you love the podcast, even if you have to lie. But I'm I'm looking forward to that. You know, it's Halloween week. Halloween is on. Let me think. I don't even know what day it's on. Maybe Tuesday, is it? Yeah. Halloween's on Tuesday. Um, and Halloween is like my favorite time of the year. Like I li- literally have a candy corn tattooed on me for this reason, but I'm not doing anything this year for Halloween because there's too much going on around it. I'm going to Coventry on Saturday. I'm off to Blackpool for a gig on Wednesday. So they're kind of like my Halloween treats. And I can't even think of, maybe I'm just old. I couldn't even think of a costume. I think last year I had one of my best Halloweens ever. Um, I dressed up as Pamela Anderson and barbed wire. Me and Benna went to a party at a tattoo shop in Liverpool and it was really fun. He was Brock Lesnar. So of course everyone thought I was Sable, but I wasn't Sable. I was Pammy and barbed wire. And I don't think I'll ever be able to top that costume. So this year I've just really not thought of anything. I nearly had an idea of being Tony Storm because you know the robe Tony Storm wears? I have that robe. I have that robe. Um, and I had it before Tony started doing that character. So I thought like, oh, I could dress up as Tony Storm. And then I was just like, no, I really don't want to dress up as anyone from wrestling and put that on the internet um, and have people comment. So no costume for me this year, just because I can't think of one, you know. But I've had so many great Halloweens in my life that it is kind of sad to not go out for one. But I mean, I am going out like the night after um, in Blackpool. So I think people will still be in the Halloween spirit on November 1st. That's how it works, right? But yeah, I'm looking forward to that. This week, mostly, what did I do? I bought and read Britney Spears's autobiography, The Woman and Me. Read it in a day. Um, it. It took me the full day because I was working a lot. So I was reading it in like little 15 minute intervals. Like I'd literally set my clock for 15 minutes, read a couple of chapters. It's like the easiest book to read ever. It's just like written so you can read it in a day. But, you know, it's a really good read. Um, It's not like the best book ever written, you know, but I think it's a great read. It's an important read. It brings up a lot of issues and stuff about 
stuff, you know, that I'm interested in, um, whether it be in or outside um, of wrestling, you know, like the treatment of women by society um, and what, what Brittany went through, what kind of was the basis for what she went through, what was used against her and how her behavior is, uh, was so um, minimal compared to that of so many men um, and how she was let down by so many people. And it's a really, really sad book, um, but I think an important one. And I think her case is one of the most interesting and shocking, like celebrity stories that we've had, you know, in my lifetime. So I'm glad that she's been able to get her story out there. And I've heard some of the audiobook read by Michelle Williams, and she does a really good job at it as well. But other than reading Britney's book, I spend most of my time on TikTok these days. I have two TikToks. I have a wrestling TikTok and a non-wrestling TikTok. The wrestling TikTok, I have like a whole page of ideas for wrestling TikToks that I want to make. And I I have such a problem in my life about finding time to actually do things that I never have enough time to do everything I want. So wrestling TikTok is one of those things where I just haven't had the time to do everything I want with it yet. And that's annoying, but I have a non-wrestling TikTok that I'm way more active on. Um, and I curated this whole feed and as dumb as it sounds, like TikTok recently has really helped me with a lot of things. Um, and a lot of, you know, personal stuff um, TikTok has really helped me with. It's something that you really have to like spend time creating what your algorithm is or else you'll get, see a lot of shit. But once you're able to get things that really are catered for you, it's really good. So a lot of what I look at is kind of pop culture stuff, like feminism stuff. Uh, and goth stuff. And even though this is my non-wrestling TikTok that we're talking about, and I've spent time like curating it so that this algorithm has no idea that I even watch wrestling, like let, know, let alone that I'm involved in wrestling. My algorithm has no idea that I watch wrestling. There is one person from wrestling that I cannot escape. And that is Rebby Hardy. And I was telling some people about Rebby Hardy's TikTok. And I realized that like not everyone in wrestling knows about this, but she has a TikTok where it's based on, so she's part of goth TikTok, um, but she's famous for her youngest daughter who she calls goth baby. And she dresses the daughter up in little gothic outfits and makes these little videos with her um and sometimes it's like Rebby narrating like a, the day in the life of a goth baby um and you know it's all a joke doing this kind of like Adam's family you know type thing they've got like stock stocks in their house you know and I think coffins and stuff and the baby is dre dressed all in black the baby's actually more of a toddler now um of course, like she gets a lot of shit from people saying that she shouldn't be doing this, you know, spooky stuff with the baby. Um, and I don't mind dressing your baby in black or anything like that. Um, or having like spooky stuff around the house. Um, and she does all these, you know, I've seen her do a video where she's like, goths aren't Satanists, and like, yes, uh, we know that. And 
as someone that grew up in the goth subculture myself when I was a teenager and still you know considers myself part of it that's not my problem with what she's doing my problem is just putting your children on the internet like that is something I'm not a fan of she's basically a family vlogger but it's on TikTok and it's within the goth subculture and I can't say that that you know using the child for the attention for the clicks probably for brand deals and promotions and stuff like that um is something that I agree with but it's also totally bizarre because so most of the people that are watching her stuff and commenting on her stuff aren't wrestling fans they're people that have found her because of goth baby she's goth baby's mom so she'll have some videos where like Matt Hardy's in it um, and the comments are stuff like, whoa, I, I I didn't know your husband was a wrestler because she does make a point of saying that her husband's a famous wrestler um, all the time. So there'll be comments, you know, like that. The, like, so most of her viewers, like they don't know Matt Hardy. But the funniest thing about her TikTok is in, in among all this goth baby stuff and kind of mommy stuff and my great husband stuff, she has like a couple of videos where she's just like randomly calling out CM Punk. And this was like during the, these are from the time that CM Punk was still employed by AEW. And it's just so funny, you know, that I have this algorithm that's like one video will be some girl's goth fashion. Another video will be like 2000 celebrity stuff. Another video will be um, like a dissertation on the patriarchy. And then the next video is Rebby Hardy calling out CM Punk. but. I'm not being fed it because of anything to do with wrestling. I'm being fed it because I literally can't escape this woman on my TikTok. But yeah, I just thought, think that the Rebby Hardy TikTok stuff is super strange and super funny. And it's gone a bit under the radar in the wrestling world. So if you are on TikTok, like go check out her TikTok. Um, it's wild. You know, it's, it's wild. And it would be funny to see, she is like, she is a part of wrestling. So it's not like, someone's a wrestler's wife who's kind of anonymous like has never worked in business or anything it's a bit different than that but it's 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 just so wild the CM Punk ones are just wild like what does she do wake up in the morning and think am I going to dress up my baby or am I going to call out CM Punk (laughs) but anyway that's a bit of a transition from life into wrestling I guess but before I get into this week's podcast let me tell you how you can um let me do some plugs let me just do some plugs I have a patreon where you can watch the full video version of this podcast and you can sign up for a free trial and you can send me messages telling me what you want to see for my patreon I have an OnlyFans where there, I still have a Halloween spooky season offer on there if you want to sign up like I just said I have a TikTok my wrestling TikTok is I think it's Stephanie M. Chase. I think, I think. Um, Instagram, Stephanie M. Chase. Twitter, X, Stephanie M. Chase. Are we all just fucking sick of X now? Because I feel like Twitter just is not what it's used to used to be. Like, it's not just me. Like, no one seems to be fully arsed with it anymore. I have a merch store that's Stephanie M. Chase as well. And of course, subscribe to this podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, whatever. If you're listening on Apple, please remember to go and give me a five-star rating 
Yes, rate me like I'm your backstage source. Five stars, please. Okay, let's start. AEW has brought in Ric Flair. Now, if you have been listening to me since I started this podcast, or if you're familiar with me in any way whatsoever, of course, you know that this is not going to be something that I'm happy about, is it? No. So last week on Wednesday, I did a tweet. I'm going to be egotistical and read this tweet out to you. I said, being a woman is thinking about all the things people you have to ignore, shove to the back of your mind or give a pass to in order to have any chance of success in a world that is built for them and not you. Did I know Ric Flair was coming into AW when I wrote that tweet? No. Might I be psychic? Yes. Um, I wrote that tweet because I'd been doing some like thinking and personal writing. Like I've said before, I'm writing kind of a essay collection slash memoir about wrestling stuff. Um, and yeah, so that's what spurred me to write this tweet. I've been thinking about that, but anyway, um, this Ric Flair now being an AEW is a great example of what I was saying on that tweet. So I phoned my mom on Thursday morning. I told her Ric Flair debuted in AW and her response was, isn't he canceled? Well, are old men ever really canceled? No. So there was the Dark Side of the Ring episode about Ric Flair. I think it was in 2021. And in this, they, well, the episode was about playing Ride from Hell, right? So in this, we had a flight attendant. Uh, her name is Heidi Doyle. And she alleged that she alleged that Ric Flair had nothing on under his robe, like flashed her on the plane, alleged, and made her touch him, alleged. And the episode, like it was a really hard watch. Like this, this story was absolutely horrible it was horrible and I think many people when they watched it were like yeah Ric Flair is a wrong one that we should probably shove aside now I always thought though it was funny when I was watching the episode and I'm saying funny because sometimes you can only laugh at certain things I did think that some of the people involved in this episode I kind of got the impression that they didn't think what Ric Flair did was that bad or would be seen that badly because they agreed to be involved in this episode. Like, I always thought, you know, when the narrator was reading the script, I was like, huh, was he not thinking, like, this is going to get Rick cancelled? And then you had the stuff that Tommy Dreamer said in the episode that was really, really bad. Um, and then he came out and give, did, did uh, then he came out and gave an apology and got told he was forgiven by someone who did not have the authority to say that. But that's, you know, telling in it. So there's a lot to unpack here with Ric Flair. First things first, like I've heard people say, and people I like very much say this. We all knew about Ric Flair. Because Ric Flair's image has always been ladies' man slash shagger. And 
someone said to me last night, you know, all the playing Ride from Hell, Dark Side of the Ring stuff is really, really bad. But bef- but no one can say that they did not think Ric Flair was like this before the episode. And I would say that for me personally, and I have learned in the past few years that I am, well, I have been, I'm not anymore, but I was extremely fucking naive when it came to stuff like this, like extremely naive when it came to people's, the bad actions that people were capable of. So did I think that Ric Flair was doing the kind of things outlined um, in Dark Side of the Ring? No. And I do know that there are like certain stories about him that were have been brought up in other people's books, but there weren't any that I was like, really really aware of like I don't sit about reading like Ric Flair stories anyway I'm not trying to put any innocence on myself or whatever I'm just saying that my own naivete meant that yeah I thought Ric Flair like a lot of other guys was someone that slept with a lot of women but I didn't think oh and you know cheated and all that kind of stuff which is wrong um but you know wrestlers but I didn't think he was doing stuff that you saw in the episode. So the, the best I can say is I just thought that Ric Flair was like a, a bad boy shagger, which is what I thought of a lot of people with a similar reputation um, until I became less naive. So I don't think it's really right to be like we all knew Ric Flair was like really really scummy and we just can't you know because of this episode now be like oh we're done with him now like we should have always been done with him if we ever felt like that I think that the Dark Side of the Ring episode made it very very public in the wrestling world to the point where like you couldn't escape it and you couldn't not know at that point so and also that episode contained like the actual testimony of the woman she was there telling her story so whatever you might have known about Flair before whatever you might have read in in a book I think it's very different when you hear a woman actually describe what happened to her how it made her feel uh, and all of that so even if you not quite believe stuff even if you weren't quite sure of some other instance before her testimony being out there should have been what made everyone say okay this is this is let's wash our hands of Ric Flair really but it's so hard to know like exactly what to do I've heard someone say like if if this was like a criminal case like how much jail time would Ric Flair get for what he did probably not a lot so due to that does it mean that someone's career should be over they should be cancelled there's no right answer on all of this but we've seen Hulk Hogan used by WWE um, but the narrative in AW is like we, we would never use Hulk Hogan, and there's a lot of hatred out there for Vince McMahon. But Hogan and Vince aren't seen in the same way as Flair is. Um, people have been like so 
done with Vince for a long time because of booking and how he's handled WWE. Hogan is just a giant fucking douchebag. Like people that have been watching me for a while will know that I hated Hulk Hogan like my entire life. Um, f- back from when I thought wrestling was real and I just thought he was horrible to Randy Savage. But there's been a lot of like Hogan is just not a likable person in any way. He's someone with like no redeeming qualities. But Ric Flair is immensely talented and one of the greatest wrestlers ever. So if you're to ask me who are the greatest wrestlers of all time and I'm making like a top 10 or top 20 list, Ric Flair is definitely going to be in there. Like if I'm basing this on talent and contributions to business and not looking into any personal stuff. But the thing is, he might be one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, if not the greatest wrestler of all time, greatest talker of all time, whatever. It might be the fact that his and it might be the fact that he doesn't deserve a lifetime calculation cancellation but for me I don't think that there's any justification for Tony Khan bringing this man into AEW at all because frankly AEW does not need Rick Flair. And when you add the fact that we that the company does not need him onto these accusations and what and what we know about Flair, there really is no reason for Tony to have brought him in. And it's very bad, I think, that he decided to bring in someone with that with these accusations that is so fucking unnecessary now we're doing sting's retirement rick flair is very important to sting like in his career cool have him front row at sting's last ever match let him make an entrance that's all you had to do tony's getting a lot of flack because he made those comments about vince mcmahon a couple weeks ago which I praised him for. I love a good anti-Vince comment. But yeah, he does seem like a hypocrite now because he's brought in Flair. And Vince has accusations against him that are worse than those that Flair has. But still, and we know that Tony was going to bring him in before, but the reason he didn't was because of the dark side of the ring. So Dave Meltzer has said, um... He and Tony had a verbal deal. Then after Darkside came out, they decided it wasn't the right time. He was assuming Flair was going to be Andrade's manager. Then Dave adds that it's a TV contract year. And I think they're really trying to hotshot as many stars for ratings purposes because of name value and things. But by doing that, you're also aging the show with the nostalgia when it comes to TV ratings is usually a short drug, not a long-term thing. So to me, there is something really bad about just waiting for the dark side of the ring stuff to blow over. Like they're sitting there, they were sitting waiting for us to forget about dark side of the ring. And that's really bad. Because it means that you really did know it was wrong. You knew it was wrong to bring in Flair. But you're just hoping that we've all kind of forgotten why. I think I'd be, 
if he if they'd brought him in right after Dark Side of the Ring, I'd be I would have been really mad, of course. But I'm still mad at this. There's something that seems like sneaky about that. I mean, I've said this before, but was I the only person that truly believed AEW was going to be a progressive company when they launched? The first red flag was them using Mike Tyson. And I don't care how much society tries to make us think that Mike Tyson is a cuddly, cute guy that we should be celebrating. Um, And I know he has quite the history in wrestling. But they've done stuff since then, like Full Gear 2021, guys. Uh, And other stuff as well that has shown me that I was wrong about the progressiveness. And I still don't totally understand why I thought they were going to be so progressive. I think it's because of Tony's age and some of their initial hirings. But it's just fucking disappointing. It's so disappointing. And Rick has not done like the worst thing that anyone in wrestling has ever done or like what we know. And I'm sure other people have done similar things to what Rick did that are still wondering about that we don't know about. But like, what is the message here? Like, what is the message here? And I, I almost don't even know what to say because I do understand that a lot of people will be watching this being like, Ric Flair's great. He's really fucking old. Look, just let him be on AEW. It doesn't matter. But these things do matter. They should matter. And as I've said, I'm not even sure that. I think that maybe. I don't know what the best way to handle Ric Flair in 2023 is. Maybe it's to like we can talk about him as one of the greatest of all time. We can look at archive footage of him. We can maybe bring him in to sit front row in a match or something like that, or to appear at the WWE hall of fame, but I'm not sure we should be giving him more money and contracts and opportunities, especially when I really don't think he has anything to offer. Like, I'm sorry, but he's, past being useful I think in my opinion and if that sounds harsh whatever I'm I'm sorry but what like is the message what are we doing here being a woman is thinking about all the things the people that you have to ignore shove to the back of your mind or give a pass to in order to have any chance of success in a world that is built for them and not for you and AEW has given me one more thing to have to ignore put the back of my mind give a pass to in order for me to try and survive make a way make a living and progress in this world Because no, I'm not going to stop watching AEW. And maybe that makes me a hypocrite or a coward. But this whole wrestling thing is my fucking life. Right? That's why I make all this wrestling content. 
my life would be a lot easier if I didn't put anything into trying to be a success in the wrestling business. If I didn't love the wrestling business so much, if it hadn't been the thing that I'd loved since I can remember, since I was five or six years old, I'm coming up to 30 years of wrestling being in my life. So unfortunately, I can't just like let it go and, and walk away with it. I have to find a way to survive in this world. And if I, if I was going to stop watching wrestling or leave the wrestling business, this Ric Flair thing would not be the straw that broke the camel's back. That would have been thing, other things that happened. And I still watch WWE and I was still watch, watching WWE when Vince McMahon was there. Because that's what we do. And it sucks. It fucking sucks. But that's what wrestling is and a lot of industries is. And that's what life is until we're able to hold people accountable and follow through with consequences. I know that whole rant, that whole section was really, really messy, but I had not, I have not, I had not properly, perfectly worked out what I wanted to say, but I knew I wanted to say something. And yeah, I'm disappointed. I am disappointed. Okay, okay. Let's calm down. Let's move on to Dynamite. The best transition is to say that in the first hour of Dynamite, we had Ric Flair, Chris Jericho, Sting, Matt Hardy, and Rob Van Damme. <laughs> what is the average age here? <laughs> what have we become? Um, TNA might be the answer. So Dave, um, Uncle Dave Meltzer must have said something about this. Um, like ages of people on dynamite or whatever, the old people that AEW are hiring. And Rob Van Dam did an unhinged tweet. He said, I believe it's a homoerotic thing where certain men, maybe Dave, prefer to look at young undressed men, and after a certain age, they're not into it as much. Gotta be right. What else could it be except a personal visual pleasure? Anyone know? Bob, I don't know what you were doing with this tweet or what you're trying to say, but like, just fuck off. Don't tweet and smoke. <laughs> Twitter needs to have an age limit. I know you, you have to be a certain age to, to use it, but like at a certain age, you should be told to just stop using it. Just like walk away from the keyboard, walk away from your phone, walk away from your computer, because seriously. But let's talk a little bit about MJF on Dynamite, because we like to chronicle MJF's title reign. We started the show with um, him. He was with Renee. He called Adam Cole. I, I am hoping that he will eventually ghost Adam, but he called Adam Cole because MJF can only call Adam Cole if the Dynamite cameras are running. Um, we then hear... Roderick Strong shouting Adam. Anyway, MJF's match, he beats Juice Robinson. This was a pretty good match, but it kind of showed the problem with MJF's character because he he's really angry at Juice with everything that went down, including the stuff that we're not referencing anymore. So he's mad at Juice, wants to really like hurt him, but at the same time, he's doing comedy shit kangaroo kicks. So he's like still towing that line, even in a match as serious as this. Oh, and I forgot to mention that we saw the devil again before the show started. 
Anyway, after the match, the guns are attacking him. Then the kingdom make the save. Then the acclaimed and daddy ass come out. Basically, then Jay White, who's still, you know, got the belt. Like, no one's been able to get this belt off Jay. No one in management is intervening, that's for sure. The guns challenge for the ROH titles at full gear. Next week, we're getting an eight-man match. The kingdom and Roderick said they'd be Max's partner. He didn't want them. They claimed he doesn't want them either. Like, he really rejected Max Caster. So, hopefully... They'll stop this whole strange thing that they haven't even fully explained. Then Kenny Omega comes out and is like, hey, you're about to surpass me um, for the length of rain. So let's have a match. So that's happening in Collision a couple of days later. Um, probably today from when this comes out. Benno pointed out to me, and I didn't notice this, that MJF walked up the ramp holding a microphone, and that was the sign that something was going to happen. I wasn't that plugged in to notice that, but yeah, that's um, that's hokey. There was a Wardlow video. He's mad at MJF. They should have just played my interview with him from the from last year. Then later on in the show, basically Samoa Joe is like, "I'll be your partner, but you have to give me a towel shot." So anyway. There's loads going on with MJF. Is it all good? No. I don't like the acclaimed stuff. I worry now about the Bullet Club Gold stuff, okay? Because obviously, I want JY to have a great match, great title match. But now, at full gear, Max is going to defend the Ring of Honor tag team titles against the guns. And I was listening to the voices um, like Dynamite Review, Lance's review last night. And he basically said that someone in AW told him that MJF had an idea to run through all of the gun club, uh, and Bullet Club Gold, sorry. And he was like, no, that can't be real. But now he is going to have probably beat the guns and Jay White in the space of one night. And he's already beaten Juice Robinson. So I guess he is just running through them all. I think this stuff with Samoa Joe could be really good as well because at least Joe is always serious. Roderick and the Kingdom, they can just, they can fuck off. Roddy shouting is not funny. This toy giraffe is terrible. Absolutely terrible. I don't want that on my TV. And I love cuddlies, okay? I have four bears that I take care of. I talk to them. I bring them on trips with me. I'm a growing woman who brings four bears around with her. But I don't want to see a stuffed giraffe on my wrestling show. No, thank you. The Kenny thing. I actually think that's exciting that they're just pulling this trigger on this Kenny match. I would love to know when this idea was first like, like broached, when this was set up. Because I did hear someone say that I bet someone just looked at a calendar and was like, oh, wait, MJF's going to surpass Kenny on this date. We should do something about that rather than it being any kind of long-term plan. Because, you know, Kenny had his whole Don Callis thing that I think is still ongoing, but who knows? He might be having a golden shower with Jericho. Sorry, golden jets. Um, So the stuff that Kenny's already doing, it doesn't really... 
lead credence to the theory that this was all planned between him and MJF. So I don't know there. But that match is going to be great. And I am excited for it. I think things are looking up with MJF, but I'm not totally sure because even when he does a promo on Dynamite, he's doing the crowd participation thing because he thinks he's the rock and it's just so forced. And something has definitely turned in him and maybe it was always there that he does seem someone that is desperate for the um, annihilation of the crowd. He's desperate for the crowd to love him. And maybe that was always there because he was so good at getting himself booed. And maybe he just would take any reaction as a form of love because it was at least a recognition that what he was doing was working. Maybe. But now that he's heard those cheers, it's like, it's a drug. It's a drug. Um, Other than that with Dynamite, not really much else to say. It was a fine episode, but once again, nothing really exciting or gripping. Swerve did a home invasion angle with Hangman Page. Now, the acting of Swerve and Prince Nana was excellent. Really excellent. Swerve Swerve could have a Hollywood career. I'm more convinced that Swerve will be able to act than MJF from what I've seen of their dynamite performances, Swerve. Um, but it the home invasion angles are hokey and stupid right because it's like it's too far beating a guy in a wrestling match even if it's the most hardcore wrestling match of all time is not gonna make up for what they did invading your home and so whoever's like standing over a crib that's meant to have hangman's baby in it but hangman's baby is like extremely well behaved so that just kind of looked fake fake i don't know where hangman's wife was um, I was really on the edge of my seat to see if Hangman's wife would appear because I think it's always interesting to see which wrestlers' wives put themselves on camera and which don't. I, I just always found that interesting. The, the wives that weren't like already in the business. But yeah, um, I really do love this Swerve Hangman feud. So I'm kind of willing to give this a pass, even though it was not believable. It's hoagie, very WWE. Okada was in the main event, but he was absolutely nothing. Like, seriously. Um, I don't think it was a good idea of Tony to use Okada like this, like just hot-shotting out Okada. I don't think he promoted it very well at all. And I think you took someone, Okada, who's one of the greatest wrestlers in the world, um, and just made him look like anyone else by the way that you used him main event Okada in a multi-man like this was nothing and the ratings weren't good this week um it was the lowest audience total for Wednesday since June 15th 2022 um they did have major competition I think it was baseball it was some American sport but what can you do the, if you look at I would say look at the quarter hours because it's very interesting there's a lot of complaints about AEW right now. Every single show I listen to, whether it's the Wrestling Observer with Dave Meltzer, whether it's any of Weird Keller's shows and wh- whoever he has on, whether it's Voices of Wrestling, whether it's What Culture Wrestling, everywhere, it is all full 
of complaints about AEW. And it is mad how the tide has turned. And I'm not saying that these people are even saying that WWE is better than AEW or anything like that. There's just so much criticism of AEW. And Benno from Grapple, um, I thought he made a really good point the other day. And he said, every single person might have a different criticism of AEW. But the fact that they all have them is such a big problem. Like something is clearly really, really wrong. I mean, Ric Flair is not going to be the one to rectify this. but they really do need to rethink um, and maybe get it together in, in 2024 because I was just thinking about this today, um, listening to the torch and just, I don't think I could have imagined like two, three years ago, just so much criticism towards AW from people who really, really liked it. And I'm, and certainly the people, um, you know, the fans that I hear stuff from are people that loved it, that would have never said a bad word about it a while ago. And now it's just so much, you know? Happy birthday, CM Punk. It was CM Punk's birthday yesterday on Thursday. He's a Scorpio like me. As I've told you before, that's kind of why I understand him. Uh, Us Scorpios are pretty hard to deal with. We are. Um, this is why as much as I am a fan of CM Punk, I would never want to be his friend because when you get two Scorpios together, it's, um, it makes for a fiery situation. It does. I don't think two Scorpios can, can successfully make things work, but happy birthday, Punk. To celebrate his birthday, he was on a radio show in Chicago and he was asked, it's called, sorry, the Bernstein and Holmes show, that as in Sherlock Holmes, uh, just to credit. Um, And he was asked the million dollar question, will he be at Survivor Series? He said, they're asking if I'm going to be there. I think it's sold out. I think tickets are hard to get. He went on to say that Larry's torn his ACL, so get well soon, Larry. But do we think that Punk's turning up at the Survivor Series? I don't know if I'm turning up at the Survivor Series. Uh, I still can't make a decision on what I'm going to do as far as um, even going to full gear and then continuing on to Chicago after that. I don't even know. But is Punk going to be there? I still kind of think he is. Like, I'm willing to be wrong on this, willing to take an L, whatever. I just think he is going to be there. And I think if he is going to be there, WWE would do everything they could to make you think he's not going to be there to get this big surprise and one up. Now, if I ask WWE, if I decide to go to Survivor Series and I ask WWE for a media ticket and they give me an exceptionally good one, you know, like fun couple of rows, I think that definitely means Punk is going to be at Survivor Series. So I'll keep you updated on that front. So I'll just give some quick thoughts on Impact saying that they're uh, changing their name back to TNA that comes into effect in January. So uh, a lot of people I know that are longtime TNA fans, TNA heads, Challenge TV watchers uh, are very you know happy about this because there's been a lot of love and nostalgia for like classic TNA, TNA branding um, around in, in recent years. Me personally, I don't really have a take on it. I do think it's a bit like it is a step backwards to go back to your old name. 
The name was terrible in the first place, though I would say that I don't think anyone in 2023 still says TNA, t- t- tits and ass, TNA for tits and ass. TNA for tits and ass. I don't think anyone's still saying that, but maybe in America, because I don't think TNA was used in that context in the UK anyway. Um, it was always a terrible name. And I get why they ditched it. And it's a silly name. But I mean, most of the time I was always calling Impact TNA. Like if I was just casually talking to someone, not thinking about it, I would still say TNA. And I would always forget that it's called Impact. And I think a lot of people saw it like that. And I think that TNA slash Impact has actually kind of found itself in the past year or so. They spent a long time being a bit of a laughing stock, right? And they had some very, very rough years. They're a very resilient company, I'll give them that. But I will commend them for the last year or more. It's like they've accepted who they are and what they're here to do. It's like they've finally become a person that's like, hey, this is what I look like love me or hate me, accept it. It's like they've gone through like like body acceptance, acceptance of how some dreams might not work out for them. Um, so making the best of what they have, life acceptance. They're, they're like a person that's gone through that kind of journey. Like they haven't had a glow up. They've had just an acceptance, an acceptance of life. And they're just... And I think sometimes when you accept things, more happiness will come to you. And I think that's what's happening with TNA. They're like, hey, we're not ever going to be WWE. And heck, we're not ever going to be AEW. But we are going to be uniquely us. And for that, maybe they should just go back to the TNA name. So I don't really see it as a huge positive or a huge negative. But I think the company is going through a very positive time period. And I'm very happy for them. Even the talk that Will Ospreay might sign for them is a good thing. And honestly, knowing Will Ospreay, that's the kind of wild decision he would make. So there's a chance that that would actually happen. Finally, I just wanted to mention the um, WWE announcing a PLE bash in Berlin, I think it's called, um, which is happening like right after all in in London. So if you want to stay hung around Europe, um, you can go to both. And uh, reportedly, according to Sapper, Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful, Paris is also being looked at as a 2024 PLE venue. And, you know, we had, of course, the London Money in the Bank. Before that, we had Clash at the Castle. There's been shows in Australia. I'm not going to, I'm not going to count Crown Jewel in this positive statement that I'm making. But I think that WWE doing more shows outside of North America is so awesome. More shows in Europe is awesome. And I think that if their new tact is to be a global company, now, of course, they were always a global company, but more of like legitimately a global company where they will do big events all around the world. That is a really great idea. It's great for fans in other countries. And it will make the American shows seem more special because there'll be less of them actually in America. So it's a really good idea. 
and yeah, I might go to the Berlin show. I think that'd be really cool. I'd never, I've never been to Berlin before. So I think I'd really enjoy that. And I just thought it was such a cool announcement. Um, and yeah, once again, I just have more positive WWE things to say in a podcast where I've done a huge rant about AEW. Who would have thought? I still think WWE are doing a great job with Jade. They're making her seem so important. Becky Lynch. Um, she had a great run with the NXT women's title. Really, really great. And congratulations to Lyra Valkyrie, another great Irish woman. It's just a shame that we have Crown Jewel coming up. That's all from me this week. I think I've I think I've said enough. I think I've done enough. You know, the Ric Flair rant. Um and I, I'm no and let's not call it a rant. What well, everything I said about Ric Flair. Um I know that when I'm editing this podcast, I'm gonna think, should I take stuff out? And I know, given the level of anxiety that I live with, that I'm gonna wake up tomorrow morning after this is published in a panic because of things I've said. But I have to get past them because I think I have to say this. I think that my life has taught me that I have to stay say this stuff no matter what the cost. And the more things happen, I'm starting to think that maybe that's why I'm here. Not to sound too deep and crazy, but yeah, maybe I'm meant to be the person on the outside calling these things out rather than someone on the inside going along with it, you know. But anyway, thank you guys so much for listening to my podcast. Um, Of course, don't forget to subscribe. I hope you all have a happy Halloween. If you're going to any of the Impact UK shows, have fun. Check out the Patreon. Check out the OnlyFans. And I'll see you next time. Bye. See you around.